Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world with the power of positivity and making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And I am super excited. Why? Because the one thing that I don't talk about a lot is my checkered past. Yes, I did work in human resources. I can recover. And people who are going to help, help us navigate this whole new world around human resources. We're going to be talking with Susie and Christian Smith. And here is the fun thing. It's never been more important than it is now for you to be authentically you, even in an interview. It's the interview that counts and to have that conversation we're going to invite Susie and Christian to come on into the studio. Let's have a chat. And as they are navigating the tech, we know that they're there. And I love the tech side of this because they had not been made co-hosts yet. There we go. We solved that problem. I hear okay. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. Oh, look, you're both on one screen. Yes. Um, except that you're not. I can't All right. So what we have going on here is a tech tangle because your camera is on, but it is not sending us an image of you. Oh, see, and we did the we did the thing ahead of time too. Absolutely. We'll let Susie handle this. Jackie. I'm the tech person. Uh Susie, the tech person. Okay. So while <laughs> Susie's figuring it out, Chris, yeah, we we're still having the same issue. Okay. Hold on. One. <laughs> it's magic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's not going to be a 4K video, but it's 1080, I think. So we okay. we did this like two hours ago. We did the tech. We said we got to get going with the tech, and we got to do this. And like all of a sudden, this had to happen. See, that's just how things work. And right? that's the topic today: preparing for things like this. Things can happen. Okay, so we're going to talk about prep, and we are going to talk about all of the things that come into this new age that we are in. And I, I thought I was seeing double. I didn't realize your logo had the E's back to back in career. And I was like, what is wrong with yeah. All right, so there's the elephant in the room. That's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so now that we've addressed that, cool. Susie and Chris, I am, this has been a journey to be able to match up and get you on the show. I mean, in, in my world of entrepreneurialism, you all are legends. You know, you, you launched an online course, made multiple five figures with it in a eight week period of time. So you became legends in, in the realm of e-learning and entrepreneurial teaching. And out of all of that, with all the people you've worked with, eh, maybe you've learned a few things. Before we get into the whole conversation about interviewing, what was your worst interview? You want me to go? Yeah, you go first. Okay. So we've sent people out. We send people out on interviews. So I often do the pre-screening from the recruiting perspective as I run what's called a search firm, which is like staffing for permanent jobs primarily. We all know the temping contract. I've done that too. So I, I think a person came in not really understanding what the job is about. I think she's talking about your worst interview. Oh, you mean when I've interviewed? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is embarrassing. Okay. So okay. You can, you can answer the other one first if that's more comfortable. No, no, no. I'll go with it. I remember graduating from psychology and a company called, uh, well, I won't mention the company, one of those tech companies, and I wanted to sell their computers because it looked like a fun job. And I, I remember thinking, okay, I have this technology and I knew the computer inside and out because I just bought one from them. And I went in there and I answered everything, but with standard answers, not really talking about my life and my work history. I gave the plaid answers and he called me on it. He said, well, wait a minute. I don't know anything about you. You're just giving me the standard fair answers. And he put, I didn't get the job. He put me on the spot, but it taught me a lesson. You have to personalize the interview. It has to be a conversation about you and not just ping pong. They shoot a question, you shoot an answer back. Right? <laughs> so that was pretty embarrassing because you know, that blew my ego. I'm thinking I just spent all this time in school and no job offer. 
but you got to get back on the horse. That's the lesson I learned from that. And I improved. <laughs> Eventually got a job. Sometimes we learn lessons. That's a good one to learn. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, so now you can tell us the worst interview you sent a client on. Well, there's, there's a lot of bad interviewers, unfortunately, out there. But once we give them what we are going to give them today, they'll be a lot better. This information will, will, will turn the corner. I think it's usually when I send people in and they don't know the job description and they haven't practiced for the interview. And I, I would think one showed up not really knowing the company and what it was about or the company name because we put them out there as a staff. Even though I prepped them, they don't always listen. <laughs> so we want people to think of this as if this is important to you, you want to prepare, you want to spend some time, you want to practice, you want to research the company. If you work through a staffing agency or you work through a direct recruiter, go online. We've got Google. You know, it's not that difficult to do. All right. You guys have a lot that you're fighting against in this realm. Why? Because there are movies like The Upside, where the guy accidentally ended up in an interview that he had no idea who it was, what it was, or anything else, and got the job. So, you know, there's a lot of Hollywoodism yeah. around this mystique of landing jobs. So, go ahead. No, that's okay. You, you, you. So I just wanted to tell you, I know what you're up against here. People yeah, have you've got you've got George Clooney and Up in the Air, where he did he was the outplacement specialist, canning everybody. And you know, we don't do the canning, but we help people find jobs. We don't do the right sizing or the downsizing or restructuring as much as we help people get hope, gain hope, and prepare for the next journey. It can it can be exciting. You know, people think interviews are daunting. It doesn't have to be. If you know a few simple one, two, three steps, they'll work for you. Cool. Well, I like simple. But before we get to one, two, three steps, come on, Susie, fess up. What was your worst interview? Okay. Okay. So we were first dating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went on an interview for a general manager. And of course, I was saying, oh, no, I, I, I can do interviews. I don't need to practice. When I get in there, I'll know what to say. I'll know what to do. And, of course, we were first dating, and he was trying to be so kind. I placed you into the interview. Yeah, yeah. so what? Yeah. So he was trying, <laughs> because he really is the introvert, interviewer whisperer. He's really good at that. And so he tried, you know, so much to be, you know, very, very cordial, very, you know, you know, nice about the whole thing. And I went in there and this person just, just asked me questions. I had no idea. And this was for a general manager's job. And I've done that in the past, but they were coming up with these new types of questions that I, 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 I was like deer in the headlights. I didn't even know what to say or what to do. And I literally on, on the way back to the office, I was like, Oh no, what am I going to say now? <laughs> I, I, you know, do, you know, cause I got to tell him now you're, you're right. <laughs> you know, I should have practiced. I should have prepared. <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> got it. it. The interview was bad. Having to yes. fess up after the interview. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you bring up an interesting thing because interviewing is interviewing and just like it is in business, it's a two-way street. You actually start interviewing the company before you ever apply, right? I mean, you, you do if you do any due diligence, that's yeah. sort of the beginnings of it. A lot of people, and I don't know if it's true today, but it was very true that it's supposed to be a conversation. It's supposed to be a back and forth to see if it's a fit on both sides. Thank you. And that's not what people were trained to. And so I'm, that's why I was so excited about having you guys come on because I'm like, let's just bust the myths. The yes. first myth is that the interview decision-making is on the other side of the table. Uh-uh. That's my first myth. So what's your experience? What did it take for you to learn that it was a two-sided conversation, decision? Mind if I hop mm -hmm. in? Okay. Well, it, it's about rapport and it's about building rapport and them feeling that know, like, and trust that from a conversation, you can build that fairly quickly to know that 
there's three key fears of a recruiter. I mean, they're, they're fearing that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Recruiters have fears? Yeah. Believe it or oh. not, they're, they're very fearful of making the wrong hire. Their jobs can depend on it eventually okay. if there's enough wrong hires. So they're, they're afraid that you won't have the proper credentials, experience, skill sets. That's the first. You may not have the proper attitude, positive mindset, and ability, that fire in the belly as I hear from some of my clients. And then you may, uh, you may not be a fit for the culture. You, they're worried about you coming over and knocking over the apple cart of a, of a well-functioning team. So those fears, if you, in the conversation, alleviate those fears that you're going to be fitting in a team and you give them examples and how, you know, that's the whole idea. Get rid of those fears and all of a sudden your scores, let's say it's a hundred point system they're using, your scores are going up each time you alleviate a fear. And that's what ends up putting you at the higher ranks to move forward. Okay, there's a life skill. All right, so interviewing is a life skill. Um, as an entrepreneur, alleviating the fears of a prospect, is it, would it be exactly the same thing? So I, this is really cool. I think so. I, I mean, I think so. You're doing a needs analysis as an entrepreneur. You're going in to solve a problem. You're looking for pain points, those pains that they can't solve themselves. You want to alleviate their stress and anxiety by taking on or something off their plate onto your plate that you will do for them. You will have the initiative to get it done and you could have to exhibit that you've done it in the past as similar idea so that's a great analogy i don't get that question often that's a good one so, so go ahead um, I, I was just thinking that the conversation around how do you get hired is the same as the conversation about how do you get the date if you're an entrepreneur it's the same thing you 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 just understand who you're talking to and what they're afraid right. of and, cool. and how you can make their lives easier and how you can make their experience better on the job because they're people too and they have families at home they want to work 12 hour days if they don't have to they want to bring a team member if it's a manager doing the hiring first you're going to deal with a recruiter so they're going to screen to make sure you're going to make them look good to the manager and to do that you have to prove that you're going to take some work off their plate and they can trust you to do that and that's where, uh, you know, there's differences to, between the traditional behavioral interviews. We can go into that when you're ready. But essentially, you have to have, you have to give examples of how you've done in the past. Because just like in stocks or in business, past performance is a predictor of future performance. And so that's why you give <laughs> examples from how you solve the conflict at work and so forth, right? Got it. Um, you know, and it's funny because... You know, my stockbroker says past performance is not an indicator <laughs> of ability. Um, you know, that's their standardized disclaimer. But in this case, with human behavior, I think you're right. I think yeah. that when you can demonstrate that you've taken actions that resulted in things getting solved, things coming off people's plates, yeah, team player is kind of a, a term that not everybody understands what it means. Uh, but initiator and understanding what the culture is. This was, a, it's a really interesting conversation for me because where we live, our internal culture determines how we respond to the world around us. And the same is true, you know, in a company, their culture determines what they're gonna look for in, a con, in, a, um, in an interviewee. And some cultures you have to analyze. You can look on glassdoor.com and, and you can find out what past employees are saying about it. If there's a lot of senior and junior level people saying negative things, then you may want to be careful. It, I'm not saying it's a bad company because everybody does gripe at times, but you want to look at that company and see if it's truly when you're interviewing, what is the culture like? And be very specific with your questions because the biggest gap we see is people go into interviews and they don't really dig in with questions. And, and you want to put softeners on it. You want to be diplomat about it. You don't want to say how many people, which do you have poor retention? You don't ask those, but you want to see how they respond to, you know, the different uh, ways that they do team building or support their staff in a gentle way during conversations. It will come out. That's going to be an interesting place to go because you opened up this whole myth 
that said it's only the person on the other side of the table who asks the questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can ask the questions throughout the interview and engage in conversation. The worst thing you do is just go and be, like I said, don't play ping pong. They hit, shoot you the question, you shoot back the answer, and you do it without pausing or thinking for two to four seconds. They want to see you being thoughtful about things, and they're judging you on that. But it doesn't all have to be looked at as judging. You can use a few simple rules, and it becomes a great conversation. And this works right up to the VP level and the C-suite. It can work right as at a frontline front retail level. It can work for professionals, engineers and the like, and IT professionals. We do this on a, a weekly basis. We put people on in interviews and we see what works and we track that. But Susie will even generate conversation because she's a mm -hmm. certified professional resume writer. And that part of that preparation is getting that right as well. But you'll probably get to that. If, if you don't, then she'll tell you something about it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I came into this call with the understanding that I was working with some of the best people in the field and that you all know what you're doing. So rather than the script, what I wanted was to be able to engage in the conversation. And I knew that at some point, I was going to have to give you an elbow so that Susie would get a chance to talk. Because yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've been hanging around with you guys before. Yeah. Um, or Susie would take care of that herself. I have she, hasn't, she hasn't kicked me yet. So <laughs> I wasn't I there, I thought. I'll, I'll be quiet for a minute. So you talked about the three fears of the recruiter and, and alleviating those. What are the myths that people go into interviews with, other than the one we talked about, which was, you know, only the interviewer asked the questions. What are other things? What are the mindsets that trip people up? Go ahead. Well, I think one of the things with, mm -hmm. the, with the resumes is the detail you yes. put in in, mm -hmm. the, in the achievement showcase. Tell them a little bit about that, because that's a key one. So, so the myth is, is that Yes, you have a resume and the resume got you in the interview, but it's also how you had developed that resume and what you had put on there. The one thing that we learned over the years is that you need your career story um, and you have to have your career story ready to go. And that would be in the form of a challenge action result format. So when you have an achievement showcase showing, showing them how did you increase revenue, uh, how did you uh, bring in a new, um, I, you know, a new software. So you need to showcase that in the resume because that will prepare you ahead of the resume. I mean, pre prepare you ahead of the interview. And then that's one of the myths that people think that you don't need to put a lot on the resume, but it's a perfect thing that when the interviewer goes through the resume, it, they, they'll have those, those points. Oh, you did increase sales by 20%. Oh, you did bring in that SAP software, right? So every so you're going to be well-prepared ahead of time and knowing what they're going to be asking, what type of questions. So that's one of the myths that I find that people. The resume interview connection. Yes. Because having scanned hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of resumes when I worked in HR consulting, what I realized is that I was part of the shift where we went from detailed resumes that were multiple pages, more of a, um, like now is reserved for academia, mm. to a functional resume, which was on one page and lots of bullet points. Mm -hmm. And what's true now? I mean, is it is it one or the other? Or is there some new kid on the block when it comes to a resume format? It's really a hybrid, isn't it? Yeah, it's really a hybrid, depending in which industry and what type of positions you're you're uh, you're 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 applying to. So you're correct. I mean, in the days that it was like five, six, seven pages, those days are left to CVs and, and academia and, and and healthcare. So we're finding that uh, again, the the career stories make a huge impact, as well as making sure that when you are applying for that position, to please look at the job posting and mirror the job posting and make sure when you have a qualifications that they're looking for to mirror it in your achievement showcase. So let's say if they're looking for business development, then when, when I was just talking about how you increase sales, then in that you will title it business development. So you really have to mirror what they're looking for. So especially with the qualifications, that really makes a huge difference. 
I'm laughing because we are in the age of search engine optimization. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm thinking keywords. You know, we're talking here, to, to put it into the language of the day, we're talking yeah. about keywords. We're talking exactly. about those hashtags that you would put at the bottom of a post so that people can find you, except yeah. they would be your subject lines of yeah. your sections. Yeah. And it gets mirrored in, into the LinkedIn as well. An interesting thing Susie devised was creating at the top uh, a best hits, a achievement showcase of those hot buttons that are on the, the job posting that she'll put in mm -hmm. with a functional title like sales development, service development, new, new training, uh, staff mm -hmm. training. And that's functional, but it's put within a short four or five key points that get mm -hmm. put up before the job uh, section, which is really de that determines what you, how they say, can you tell me about yourself? Wow. I just like to show you what I did in this last job a little bit. Boom, 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 boom. It's right on the resume. And so it sets you up like it's T-ball. You can hit a home run, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. Setting it up is a great idea. Mm -hmm. So Beyond the, okay, so the prep work that you all would do with someone, okay, so what you recommend, because it's, this is not necessarily that they need an, a specialist to help them, but they need some guidance. So the first step is look at the company. Is it a place that you want to work? The website you gave, glassdoor.com, is a place that they can go and start looking for this. And if it's a small mom and pop kind of company that you're going to apply for, hey, you could talk to the neighbors. Yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah. That's so, where so, a lot of these jobs are coming back right now too. I mean, except for certain hospitality, obviously due to COVID restrictions in each area. But I mean, that's generally where the jobs are coming. It's from the smaller, 80% of those jobs are from the smaller businesses as opposed to the bigger corporations. Now we usually work with small businesses, medium, like 100 to 500 million. Then we work with the 500 million up to the several billion um, for when we do staffing or the other side. So we've got, we get the full picture. The core idea for the interview though is basically the same. Okay, so the core idea is? You're gonna talk about your challenge, your actions and your results. And I'm gonna give that to Susie again. Challenges, actions, and results. Okay, so go into the interview prepared to to talk about challenges, actions, and results. And good, flesh that out for us, Susie. And then that's a perfect segue into a question from the audience. So we'll pull that in in just a second. Go for it. Sure. So when you're looking at the challenge, action, results, you're going to be looking at different skill sets. So let's say a person, they ended up, you know, getting a job. And that though, uh, you know, there wasn't any sales happening and um, the whole territory, the, the sales went down by like 50%. And what do you do, right? So that was the challenge. So that, so that individual would have gone in and taken a look, taken a look at the past customers, maybe having to retrieve the customers back, um, you know, doing a bit of talk and talking to the team, like how can we get these new customers and old customers back on again? So that would be the action. What was, what was the process that this individual did to bring back the, the old customers and new customers? Okay, so we're talking about a process of some sort that they brought okay. in. So we're talking about the, the I'm going to use clear language, the applicant, the person who's applying for a job. We're talking about looking into their history yeah. and who they've worked with before to pull these challenges, actions, and results out of there. So that they're, and that's part of the interview prep. Because I, I want to make sure that when we are going into this whole interview scenario with people, that they can get a clear sense of the stories of these people. So somebody who does this well, they find out, how do they find out in advance? I mean, is Glassdoor going to help them? Or how would they find out in advance? What are the challenges that this new company is going to want to know that I can do. Is it just in the position description? Is it in okay. the job description won't give mm -hmm. all of those, all, all of those pointers. I mean, having an industry knowledge, doing your research on Google about the organization, looking at regular problems in an industry journal, the uh -huh. automotive industry, like a cranes or one of those journals to see what's been going on. If there's 
like we we deal with some procurement and some packaging uh, placements we do right now. And that would be an example of the recent changes in packaging with everything going green and sustainable and compostable. You have to know those types of details to bring them into the conversation. So be you can ask questions about that or you, you'll at least be ready. So knowing the industry, and you can do that if you don't, you're going into a new industry. If it's something totally new for you or a young student, then I say go do informational or what we call research meetings, where you go out, you sit with people in that industry, they'll do you a good a solid by, uh, you say, I'm not asking for a job, I'm just doing research to make sure I'm, I'm on the right track with my career. I'm thinking this looks really interesting, your industry and your type of company, but I'm not asking for a job. Can you give me 10 minutes to find out what's made you a success and what's new with your industry? And they'll often do that for you. I got a story about that. Okay. I actually called up a company once and said, you know, I'm thinking about going into this industry. And the response from the person on the phone was, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and I thought, okay. <laughs> you know? But if you do prepare, you're, you're going to be confident. And we want people to go in confident. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been so much fear built around interviews because there's a lot at stake, but the fear can't, won't, won't uh, help you unless it, a little bit of adrenaline's good. But if you prepare, you'll turn that fear into confidence. And that's the goal of this. You hit upon something that's really key. The idea that there's a lot at stake. When and, and as a brain retrainer, as a, you know, and this is what I do is emotional resilience. That language can actually uh, be problematic. And the reason I said, I'm going, okay, I know there's a solution here because you guys have coached so many people through this process. One interview will never make or break somebody's career. Right. You know, um, and so the, what's really at stake is are you willing to grow through the process maybe is sort of what I'm getting from. I from love that. That's a, it's a journey, the job search. And that is a great, I, I think a great reframing of it. Yeah. And if you're willing to grow through the process, now we've got somebody who's got this, this wonderful thing. And so Andrew po posted in a question and he has an interview tomorrow. So talk about timing. Okay. Good. He's been asked to present in the interview on yeah. this question. Okay. What have you learned in the last year and how will you apply it to this job? He says, I'm planning to talk about gratitude and how it has taught me the absolute importance as a leader of understanding the people I lead and work with, their drivers and motivations, their particular struggles they have. What do you think? Well, I think going in with a system talking about gratitude or a central differentiated point like that is a great idea. And talking about how that leads you into engaging your staff and supporting them. So there's good systems out there. You can always pick up some books. I mean, but for now, there, engagement is kind of that keyword is how, how do you become a good leader? Well, servant leader would ensure that they give the right tools, the right coaching, the right support. And that would be one way, but giving actual examples because there's traditional behavioral interviews, obviously behavioral is actual examples from that job for even a traditional question, like what are your strengths and weaknesses? That's your traditional, but you should still give a behavioral answer, your challenge action result of that story that matches this. So if gratitude is one, and then you build a, a team morale around gratitude, then that can be a positive spin on that. But give an actual story on how it worked. So telling a story is something that is a skill set that I had to learn as a speaker. And to be able to tell a story in an interview around this, would it work for what I learned I wasn't grateful for? But now that I look back over the past year, and by the way, thank you for the question, because looking back over the past year, what I learned about was the importance of gratitude. 
and its role in leadership because, and then tell whatever his challenge that he met and where he learned gratitude, the actions he took to pull gratitude into his team and the results that they got. Is that, am I on the right track with this? I think so. I think the, the idea, and he, he put in there, I see about drivers and motivations is understanding everybody's different and you can't treat everybody the same. And a, a person of gratitude understands they're given a, a, a set of team members when they're hired in. And, and some members of the team may need coaching. They have certain strengths, others don't. Uh, you can take some coaching, uh, you can do some coaching that brings out the best strengths and they'll just fly like a Ferrari down a, the, the Autobahn, right? Uh, so that's where you wanna focus is on people's strengths and, and, and deal with the weaknesses to make them at least compensate, they're up to an average level so they don't affect them and then the team's still rolling. And, and that's how you would hire too. You're trying to fill the team. It's sort, sort of like, uh, you know, you, you may have a Star Trek. You've got your Spock, you've got your Captain Kirk, Zulu. You know, everybody's got their job. You got to put the right team members together if you're in a manager role and inspiring that team. It may be a little bit different for everybody. You're gardening people and you're going to grow them. So I like his attitude. Gratitude is an interesting way of putting it. I really find that different. That's unique. I like it. I like the way you broke down what a servant leader is because it's a term that gets tossed around like everybody knows what it is, but not everybody knows what a donut is. So not everybody knows what a servant leader is. So I appreciate the fact that you broke that down. The concept of leaders as being able to actually serve the people they're leading, not just serving the stakeholders in the company or the customers, you know, but, but actually about building a team. This is a relatively new conversation, meaning it's only been in the last decade or two that it's really come into where people assume that you know what they're talking about. And so let's, can we delve into that just a little bit more because yeah. I think Having an understanding of this might help people decide where they want to work. Because if you're interviewing with somebody who's not this, you might want to turn it down. So Exactly, exactly. And, and there are certain industries, certain parts of the automotive sector, other sectors that are old school smokestack industries where it was, you know, worker, keep your head down and mouth shut and just do your job. But it's, it's sort of a little bit of John Wayne, I thought there, uh, but my way or the highway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, if you go back to the old theory, why, which is an enlightened, empowering type of manager or leader versus the old theory X, which is uh, micromanaging, uh, somewhat oppressive and, and sharp in tone all the time, then you really want to isolate who you're interviewing and ask them how they approach their staff. And if, if you have to, I, I mean, if it's a culture where there's lots of growth and little terminations, that's probably in some ways a good sign because they're working with people to bring them up, to train them. They're a culture of training or growth and coaching. And so what I'm saying is people do your, when you're doing those conversations, you're really there, to, on, you're on a recon, fact-finding mission. And you have to look at it that way as well. It's not just, you, you may need the job, but if you don't want to end up six months down the road saying, oh, I took this job, yeah, paid the bills for now, but I'm, I'm miserable. And then you're out looking again. Um, we all may be looking every three to five to 10 years, whatever, that it's not the 40 year and out jobs where you get the watch at the end and that's gone pretty much. And that's fine, but therefore it's more important to learn these skills. You know, it's really interesting because in certain industries that 40 year track to a gold watch still exists. And it was really kind of a shock to me to discover it. I mean, we're, we're dealing with some companies and the same people are there that were there 20, 30 years ago. And it's, it is a cultural thing. When we come into a job with the expectation that we're only gonna be there a short time, that better be the culture of the company. That alignment is very important. Thank you for that. Now, what I would say to that is, when you go to an interview, you always talk about the job you're applying for, not what the next one is, because they're going to think you're too anxious. And if you don't get 
uh, promoted, you're going to leave. They're really interested in retention nowadays, especially amongst the young, younger 20, 30 somethings, the millennials. Um, so that's an excellent point. But I didn't, I think you were going to ask something else. So I'll let you finish. No, I wasn't. I was just, I love the fact that, that we can go back and forth on this because there's so many nuances in this conversation about what makes for a good interview anymore. So you had some key points and I want to make sure you have time to share them. So. Okay. So one of the key points and Andrew, I think it was brought up the presentation idea. The stats are showing that people that actually do a presentation of how they've done training in the past or how they've done management and they can produce a few PowerPoints they can hand out at the interview. It's kind of hard sometimes with a short interview. If you're dealing with recruiters, it's less than half an hour. If you're dealing with the main hiring manager, that can go an hour plus. But the, so I'd say just probably print off some PowerPoints of those four key points you want to talk about, hand it to them, have them in front of you, hand it to that person and say, here's what I've done. Here's what I'm planning to do. And here's how I train people and support them with an idea of gratitude and servant leadership. And as a result, here's what the outcomes were. Challenge action results again, bring everything home to how I produce and move that needle forward, continuous improvements in different parts of that job. So the presentation itself, nobody's doing it. I'm saying, why not? You're there. They, you know, this is your chance to boast a little, even if you're humble, it's a chance somebody's listening to you. <laughs> they want to hear what you have to say. Take the opportunity. Um, I, I think knowing the future trends of that specific job, like I talked about the future of sustainable, say packaging or future compost compostability or future materials and where AI is coming into it. And I, I encourage everybody to look at the STEEP model for looking at the future called strategic foresight. And you can go to Wikipedia and look up strategic foresight in the steep model, like a steep hill. And those initials stand for uh, social, technological, energy, environmental, political, regulatory is like political. And, and you'll have an idea on what future trends are coming out. If you don't, then you should at least have two or three to talk about if it's retail. Okay. Pause. Let's go through those, that acronym again. Sure. I, I, you, 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 had, you had me and, I, and you lost me in the ease somewhere. Okay, so it's strategic? Strate uh, you would have the social. Social. You would have the technological, which could include science, okay. environmental. And we're talking about the trends. So you're looking for the trends in the industry, in the social realm, in the technology realm. Social being like values and, and changing mores or mores and yeah, and technology. Go ahead. All right, and then environmental, and then what? Environmental, um, then like you can look at energy or you can look at the whole spectrum of how that affects with oil versus alternative energies. That's been in the news a lot because of Texas, right? So um, those are some issues and I'm not getting political, but policies matter. And so we, whatever the reason was, and I, I don't know why I, I really have a side on that. Energy is important in terms of how we fuel this the industries and everything and then political regulatory issues those are just buckets that you can look for for what are some changes some hard trends in the industry so when you go in there you're asking questions about a hard trend you've researched and you look smarter than the next person that didn't do the homework right there we go or the previous person absolutely Te technology and ai is one thing that's coming up it's it's helping people really succeed greater than save so much time and there's so many things in even writing articles or writing your, your anything you're doing is ai is affecting it artificial intelligence sorry so if you haven't done it start preparing a little bit because it's going to be a huge thing in the future well and it depending on the industry even knowing the acronyms can give you an advantage in an interview mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean you want to lead with the acronym but you might want to be talking about what the acronym stands for. And my, I mean, okay, I am, I am a woman of a certain age. My ears do not hear as fast as younger people speak. Mm -hmm. So just FYI, younger people. Yeah. You have to have Good your point. speed with the speed that they can hear you. Um, and I so appreciate, thanks, I, my daughter is my tech crew, so she okay. <laughs> puts a laugh out loud in there. She did a great job there. Yeah. She, she does an amazing job. 
Um, and so Katie's got our backs on this, but I wanted to just slow that down and unpack it because yeah. this is not the common conversation when it comes to interviews, which are usually about how you dress, you know, how, when you show up. Yeah, we are now doing interviews virtually. So all the rules have changed in a lot of ways. And you know, the entertainment industry went to virtual interviews way before COVID. I mean, one of my friends actually wrote a book on doing virtual interviews in the entertainment industry that I got a copy of before the pandemic hit. There you go. So yeah, this is, this is not a new conversation in that industry, but it's a new conversation in most corporate America to how do you prepare for a virtual interview? Because now you can't take copies of your PowerPoints and hand them out to people. You can share the screen now. Now you can share the screen. That's a that's a life skill. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Knowing how to share a screen. Even Knowing how to put information in a chat that's actually clickable. Mm -hmm. You know, these are now skills that we have to have, and they're not hard. But if you don't know, you need them. Mm -hmm. You won't be ready for them. That's so true, That's Jackie. True. These are great pieces of advice you're giving as well. Being in HR, you know these things. So, uh, I mean, just setting up for this today, obviously there's going to be there hitches. There was a glitch, yeah. There's glitches. And I I just had that last week with a candidate for he was using his uh, uh, spouse's computer and there was a glitch there downloading some software. So these things happen. Companies are pretty understanding if, if like one system like Skype isn't working, maybe you should be using Zoom and you know, if you're working through a headhunter, like I do that job, then you're going to get that help from the headhunter to intervene to protect you. But you want to be, you want to start learning it if you're not skilled in, in, in Zoom or Skype or MS Teams or one of these things and make sure it works on your system. Yeah, there you go. That, and that's a good point. Learning what platform they want to use for the interview. If it's going to be an online interview, um, I mean, I'm, I am not a Skype person. Okay. I think that there's a special part of the brain or a gene that we had to have gotten at birth that allows us to gracefully use Skype. And I didn't you got it. it. I didn't. <laughs> no. no, I'm a zoom. I'm a zoomer. Yeah. You know, yeah. Give me, give me zoom. Um, I, but it doesn't matter what I use. What matters is what the person who's going to interview me uses. Absolutely. Yes. yes. yes absolutely. And if there's enough glitches and there's enough interviews, because you may start with a recruiter, go to the hiring manager, and they may circle you around to other managers to make sure you're a good fit, mm -hmm. you should be ready to do a little shuffle and move over to a new platform if you need to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, always have your power cord with you. If there oh was a skill set for this day and age, it is. <laughs> always have a backup power supply. Um we, oh, just two confessions, a peek behind the scenes of doing a summit. This is not my first rodeo by a long shot. And I've never had an issue with any of my recordings until my last season. And the rules of the game got changed. And with no notice, everything looked the same, but it stopped recording at 10 interviews. And I had to go back and redo because when we went and reviewed the files, I had files missing. I had whole interviews that weren't there. And on my screen, it looked normal. The record button was on. Yeah. But we don't control things that we, you know, that we used to be more controllable. It's sort of like when the camera ran out of film. Yeah. But now it's all about plugging in for the power and become, just knowing the rules. Become friends with your tech support. <laughs> you know for whatever software you have get on there and get talking to them right when you get the software is what i say <laughs> that's a good idea this has just been delightful and you guys have given us an amazing toolkit for people so i'm going to pop that into the chat right now and let's see if i got there before katie darn it she got it first all right so this is the interview prep guidelines. So how to use your advantage system, which I love that. The challenges, actions, and results really shows your advantage as an interviewee, as someone who's applying. It gives you a chance to showcase who you are. 
And I loved that. So I'm, I'm grateful that you put this together for everyone because life is about interviews. I mean, let's face it. Our first conversation was us interviewing each other about you coming on to the show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, interviews exactly. are not just for corporate America anymore. Yeah. But you're fun, you know, you just, and that, but that's <laughs> yeah. the way you have to t- approach the interviews. See them as fun and they want the best people. You People underestimate the value. I can't tell you how often they don't know how valuable what they bring to the table is so amazing. So be ready for that. All right. So there we go. Rule number one in life. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we adopted um, teaspoons because of the initials TSPS for Teen Suicide Prevention Society and the Suicide Prevention Show. So teaspoons. And then we looked at Mary Poppins and her song Spoonful of Sugar. And we realized that she had the best attitude modification tools ever invented. So when someone's going into an interview, okay, so Mary Poppins would say, for every job that's to be done, there is an element of fun. Find the fun and snap the jobs again. When it comes to every interview, is there an element of fun and where could someone look for it? Yeah. Okay. So I think the fun part is often about the team building and how you're going to get along with the interviewer and how that, how you two can gel and show a little bit of your personality without going too edgy. You know, you have to be respectful. So you've gone in, you've dressed up one notch above what the average person is dressed like there. You've shown respect and you, you've just shown how you work in teams and you give them examples of how you go above and beyond and how you have fun too. Because when it comes down to it, if they don't, if they don't think they can see themselves enjoying working with you, then you, you may have to look at another person to work with and you may not want to work with them, remember? So have some fun, talk about common interests if it's sports, if you're, if you're, well, whatever team your favorite team is, if it's a certain hobby or interest, like some people, I had candidates, uh, applicant recently that enjoyed talking about the Detroit Tigers. And it just so happened the interviewer loved the Tigers and the company has, you know, box seats to see the, the Tigers. <laughs> so it was just all that all gelled together. And before you know it, they're all ready to go to a game together. Right. So perhaps the fun is looking for the synchronicities, looking for where the universe has aligned to make this easy for you. I think Sting had a song about that. Mm, Could be. I don't know that one. (laughs) The Police, Synchronicity. It was a good one. You know, good. A new song. I need a new song. So what's that song? That's synchronicity. That's the title of the song. Oh, okay. I think it was when he was with the police years ago. You know. I'm an 80s guy from the Ah, there we go. All right. So I um I'm one of those people who has the debate about when the music died. Yeah. So the 80s were not my favorite time of music. Okay. Um, I was into oldies before they were oldies. And they're good too. We love we love oldies. So cool. So as it comes to interviews, yeah, the practical things, what you just said about dressing one notch above the culture of the company. That's something that is so obvious and simple, and it's often tripped over. What's another one that's so simple and obvious that people often, um, you know, don't notice it? I think when you're going into the interview, going out, talking to the reception, you're being observed from the point at which you, you drive into the parking lot to the point at which you go and talk. You're even on camera many places nowadays because of the new uh, CPAT rules and so forth, you're going in and you're, you're, how you treat anybody should be with respect because you're being monitored on the way in, on the way out. So make sure you have stellar performance. You'd be the best of who you are, be yourself, but be the best of your authentic self, we like to say, and that will serve you well. There we go. All right. So any other questions that we didn't cover? What is it you wish that I had asked you? Oh, that's a good one. For me, when I, because I'm more on the resume side, I always tell people to please have at least one main phone number that the interviewer can call you at. And to please, please 
change your voicemail to a professional voicemail. Okay. So, cause I like, you'll hear people say, okay, you know, the drill. And then, and then, and then you, the person on the other end, they don't know if they, they, you know, called the right number. So in a professional voice, they thank you for calling. This is Susie Smith. You can reach me at 88 and then and they put the phone number. So they know they got the right person, the right phone number. And also tip at number two, do not block 800 numbers and do not block private numbers. Because remember, a lot of the HR people are working from home today. So they're calling from their cell phone. So they're, they're blocking their cell phone numbers. So I've mm -hmm. called uh, some people that I wanted to, uh, that I have applied uh, to, to a position I was, I had, and I tried to call it and it said, I'm sorry, but uh, caller ID or mm -hmm. it's not available. So please do that. So change that, open up the phone, change your voicemail. Mm -hmm. That's my two tidbits. Can oh, I add on to that? Those are good ones. Yeah, things start with a phone interview often. Um, so if somebody calls you when you're on the highway, say, you could give me five minutes and I got to call you back. You have it on call display. Pull off the highway. Don't say, well, I'm making dinner. Uh, can we do this another time? You, you put the dinner, take it off the stove, of <laughs> course. You shut off the stove. and But try not to delay that interview because sometimes things happen quick and that may be a disservice to yourself so make that interview happen if you can safely safely is good um absolutely that's a really really good point so in this day and age that's a critical point and that fit my category perfectly for something so simple and so obvious mm -hmm. um, especially the voicemail part yes yeah. my son-in-law had a voicemail and i finally said you know i can't connect my send anybody to you and he says why not because he had totally forgotten his outgoing message said something that was relatively inappropriate about unicorns and i you know and uh, and it was like <laughs> it was like wait a minute no this won't fly you know? yeah. yeah and so my definition of inappropriate it was actually really funny but um it, it, it had <laughs> with, you know with, with Happiness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you want to tell us about the uh, Yeah. So it is in the chat already. This was yes. your interview success, the prep guidelines. Christian, yes. you missed it. We've already talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure if there's any problem getting it, you can do the info at carinish.com to make sure we can get it to you. Don't worry. Okay. So what you're All right. I'm going to slow that down. If anyone has a challenge with downloading their gift you can send an email to info at careerniche.com. And if you can't find the backward E on your keyboard, don't. No, no, no. <laughs> You're funny. You're you funny. Cover, Chris. <laughs> You're making me sweat over here, Jack. Oh, my God. I cannot thank you guys enough for coming. Oh, this has been fun. Thank you for having us. This yeah, these great. are great questions, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Many I've never seen before, so good. <laughs> well, and so this was a real life example of how do you handle an interview that you can't prepare for because you don't know what they're going to ask. You do the best you can and you roll with it. Yes. And you guys were great fun. Thank you so very much. Thank you much. for having us. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you so Good much. Good to be here. Thank you.